0: Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. This is Nicole B. Z. And this is the Quantum Business Book Club. My favorite, I got, okay, I say that every time. I know. I know. But today I'm going to kind of, I'm going to spill the tea y'all because I'm actually, I'm really nervous about this too. When I do any of these recordings or pretty much anything I am creating and putting out there, where I'm not going to have any control over how you receive it or what you think. I pull cards and typically just traditional tarot. The cards today though were like, you can't make this shit up. So I'm getting ahead of myself as per usual. I'm very, very excited. Traction is a book by Gino Wickman. It was recommended to me by the very first online business coach that I hired and This was probably the most valuable part of this experience was this book recommendation. I have referred it endlessly. I have also implemented all of its strategies. I've created retreats for CEOs of companies and led them through this with a combination of some of my other coaching techniques. I first implemented this in a CEO's company. They were a coaching client. They wanted to do some kind of like deep, intensive follow-up. I had a couple of programs that I would trialed and also in conjunction with my coaching certification from IPAC, they also have some systems to implement. And so I I'd combined traction with some of those systems and programs and created this week-long intensive and it was transformative. I did that a few more times, and it really proved to be incredibly powerful, which is why I I really got on the traction train. In the meantime, the author has written several books and also created the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS. If you are a coach in the business ecosystem, you are all too familiar with EOS. It is one of the many proprietary systems and applications. You can apply on any business, they offer their own certification program. You can access EOS and all of the resources I'm actually going to discuss here online. I think it's like $500 a month. To get EOS certified, I think it starts around two grand. And when I first read this book, all of the templates, all of the resources are in this book. So if you buy a paperback version... I actually purchased it on Kindle. All of the PDFs are there. I think there's a paywall now. I was sort of digging around on the back end. I am going to share a resource with you that is a fantastic summary, takes you through everything. But I'm telling you, if you get this book, even if you listen to this podcast, you're going to be able to apply so much of these learnings immediately. And it is like everything else, something you could pay to access, but for the most part, it's really, really simple stuff. That's why it's so powerful. And that's why I've recommended this book a thousand different times. The other thing to consider is I'm hearing so many coaches, so many consultants, so many teachers, guides, and mentors talking about the difference between mindset and the and systems. And You know, you might also hear it described as like the feminine and the masculine or the yin and the yang or the structure and the support, leading from heart, leading from mind. There's a bunch of different ways to think about it. How that integrates for you is going to be completely unique. If you're anything like me, you probably got a lot of masculine up in there. And the structure and the systems are reassuring. They're reassuring to the ego. They're reassuring to your people. They're reassuring to your heart. But by no means is a system or a structure going to be the magic pill. This this way of thinking, what we're going to get deep into. This might be a really long one, only because this book is so incredible and transformative, but also the energy behind this episode blew my fucking mind. So I'll get into that in two seconds. Don't you worry. But a lot of people also, like me, probably over-relied on the systems, on the structure, on the magic pill You know, why did I hire this coach who recommended this book? Because she promised to get me to seven figures in seven weeks with her online coach systems, or I should say online courses. Excuse me. Obviously, that's just a really fantastic marketing sell. And I take full responsibility. I wanted the income, I wanted the guarantee of success, I wanted the proven system. And when I absorbed that information, I became very aware that I'm sure this this works sometimes. I'm sure it is very successful depending on who's applying it. I'm not sure on the numbers of participants who have successfully achieved that number. You're certainly sharing a case study where you can prove that. And it just really gave me some amazing insight into how business works, into how online marketing works, into how these system and structures can really, really support us, but they're also not going to be like this miracle, right? And where am I going with all this, BZ? Get back on track. So I share this to help you see that there are frameworks to be applied. It will simplify what is a very very complex situation? How do you start a business? How do you scale a business? How do you succeed in business? These are massive massive questions, right? And I love traction because it's so simple. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about what what that means. But let me get into the energy of this particular episode because it's it's big. And I, if you read tarot, if you don't, that's totally cool. Maybe set the the skepticism to the side just for a minute. Because again, what I use cards for is to give me a framework. There's a thousand million things I can talk about, but when I pull a couple simple cards and I ask, what is the takeaway? Why is someone listening to this? What is the energy I need to tap into? That's how I get out of my head and into my heart. Because it's really fucking easy for me to just create an outline, especially from a book that I've read a hundred different times and I've coached people through applying in their own businesses a hundred different times. But when I take a step back, when I tap into the energy, firstly, I can feel it like coursing through my body right now. That's why I'm talking a million miles an hour. But this, like, you can't make this shit up. And even if it is just completely coincidental, even if it is just random happenstance, cool. That makes it a little more fun because check this out. So if you're all familiar, I pulled moon, queen of cups, wheel of fortune. Big macro energy. I got that big, big energy. Yo. Moon, if you're not familiar, is this idea of being unsure. I mean, think about the moon, the full moon in the sky. It's dark, it's spooky. People talk about all sorts of crazy shit happening on the full moon. It, you know, if you're into this kind of thing, it might affect the way that you're feeling. You're either feeling like a crazy lunatic ready to go howl with your wolf back, or you were like hiding under your covers <laughs> in full hibernation mode. It's that kind of darkness, insecurity. You don't have any answers. It's really, really time to reflect to go deep, deeper than you ever have before. And I'm sure you've heard this a million thousand times, the answers lie within. And in business, sometimes when we don't know how to go forward, when we don't know what to do next, it's a really useful process to reflect and to do this once a month, right? Like if you think about the full moon as a cycle of time, To look back on what you've done over the last 30 days, I mean, that's a crucial part of traction and of the entrepreneurial operating system. He refers to it as your rocks and your check-ins. He comes up with, and like anybody who's really trying to create a system and something that can be applicable and a framework, you're going to come up with your own verbiage around it so that you can kind of own this terminology and eventually you can trademark it and sell it. right? But the point being that it's no surprise to me that I pulled moon in terms of why are we talking about this? What's the energy? What are we tapping into here? And it's 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 so much bigger than us, than our individual experience. It's, you know, the sum of all parts is greater than the individual I totally butchered that <laughs> but with this it's also a challenge an opportunity to embrace the unknown to look at where you're going and saying I don't know I'm gonna I'm gonna reflect back what did we say we wanted to do? why did we say we want to do it? how are we doing? Maybe it's shit you're not asking these questions because it's fucking awesome right That's okay what if all of that is okay what if? Pushing this inquiry is going to create everything you've ever wanted, right? And in that, in the the trite, the cliche, all answers lie within, your business is going to be able to provide you with so much knowing and so much information in order to draw the next conclusions. And so I'm not going to say through this process, you're going to figure it all out and you're going to have all the answers. But what I am saying is if we just go, okay, fuck, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Some really cool shit's going to happen. And when we go into his place of inquiry out of curiosity, it's going to clarify. Now, the, the next card was Queen of Cups. And this isn't one of the major arcana, this, but it is a core card, which means like this is where we really start to embody. This is where we start to take everything that's happened up until now and pull it in and pull it into our hearts, my friends. And you might have your own interpretations of the cards. I'm kind of going through my interpretation and how this is just really landing for me in this moment. For someone who might be listening and be like, this is complete bullshit, that's also totally fine. Something might kind of jump out at you. If you hear Uh, a word or something that I'm saying and it kind of gets you, just let that be, you know? So with the queen of hearts, this is where we we ask ourselves, how can we step into the fire without burning out, right? I mean, talk about leadership and business. Talk about building a business. Talk, Talk about starting a business or getting into partnership or seeking funding and support. This is where we go, okay, it's getting hot in here. It's time to understand there's going to be risk it's inevitable in order to get a reward you know this is the exchange i actually just talked about this on my social media oh my gosh and I, it it would behoove me to just let you know <laughs> i am going to be launching the anti business school in may and i'm thinking there's going to be a pre-sale around the 9th 8th 9th 10th and gonna be launching on that Monday, which I think is the 10th. So get onto my social media, get onto the loop. And that's my newsletter. You can do that by going to my social media, or you can just go directly to my website, NicoleBZ.com. The Anti-Business School is over 100 different bite-sized modules where I get into the how of all of this. It's the mindset and the systems. You can zoom into exactly what you're looking for. Maybe you need a budget. Maybe you need a profit-predicting calculator. Maybe you need to understand the seasonality of your business so that you can get better at cash flow. Maybe you're looking at marketing and you're wondering, how can I amplify my social media presence? Or how can I get more heart into my messaging? It's all you can drink. And I created the anti business school because, like, you don't need a course. You don't even need a coach, my friend, but we all need support. There's going to be a community on Discord where I'm going to be jumping in live once a month to offer hot seat coaching. It's going to be amazing. The pre sale is obviously going to be a significant discount. And then the launch is going to have a a couple of fun bonuses as well. But stay tuned, please. If this is something that intrigues you and interests you, the anti-business school is going to blow your fucking socks off. And it's meant to be super easy to access. You can hone in on exactly what it is that you need. You can also watch it from start to finish. You can binge it in a couple days, a lot like a weekend. It's... (laughs) Sometimes I look back and I listen to my own content because straight up, like I don't actually do that that often. And it like kind of blows me away. I'm like, oh, shit, girl, you know what's up? And this is the stuff I've been doing for over 20 years. This is the stuff I have been implementing in businesses I've been asked to lead and manage and businesses that I've started and businesses that have failed. Again, it's not a magic pill, but it is the strategy, it is the mindset, it is the templates, it is the resources that you need in order to create the business and life of your dreams. It is quite literally the tools of alchemy I apply every damn day to create wild, unbelievable, limitless success. You can too. Queen of Cups is just that. Queen of Cups is saying, I get this is risky, and I'm going to choose to play. I'm going to take the punt to play. I'm going to chase the adventure, and I'm going to do it from my heart, not my mind. I've been talking about this a lot. I'm in the middle of of pitching and presenting and um, appealing to do a massive development project, and I can create spreadsheets where I'm a multimillionaire at the end of year three. I can also create a spreadsheet where I am bankrupt in three years. At some point, you've got to look at the data and say, thank you very much for that information. I'm going to commit wholly and fully and ensure like I'm covering my ass. I'm never saying, you know, like bet it all. I mean, I might be. But (laughs) last thing I'll say about this energy, it is unapologetic. It is embracing everything that is right now, surrendering to the unknown, saying, I don't know. And I'm okay with that. I'm going to take one more step forward. Finally, we have Wheel of Fortune. What I find like, this is where I was like, okay, 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 <laughs> like for fucking real with this. That's why I had to share this with you. And I guess if you're still listening, you're here for it. So thank you. I see you. I feel you. This is where our destiny intersects with us on our path right now. Ooh, that was my tummy rumbling. I got tummy rumbling. I got hip hop in the background. So I got to the office super early with my fancy new microphone. And of course, the the dudes, um, I don't even know. They might not be dudes. The people are listening to some hip hop, cranking it. I get it. It's early. I feel, yeah. Some, you know, There are just some things that are out of my control. I digress. So to pull Wheel of Fortune to me is amazing because one of the things about Wheel of Fortune is there's no reverse. Sometimes depending on how you read or where you've learned and studied or just how you've intuited to these energies, reversal suggests like this is where the challenge is. This is where your avoidance is. This is where your struggle and your resistance is with this energy. But with Wheel of Fortune, its I mean, it's if you think about it like a, a wheel, <laughs> there's no upside down. There's no bottom or top. It, it's continually spinning. And that's what I love. Like Again, this card, this energy really hit home for me because in business, the wheel's just spinning. There will be ups, there will be downs, there will be expansions, there will be contractions, there will be wins, there will be losses. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're the fucking bottom. And all it takes is one phone call, one email, one share. And suddenly you're back at the top of that wheel. And that's when I talk about like embrace the risk, embrace the unknown. You can't see your potential right now. But if you believe in it, if you choose your potential, your opportunity, if you choose to think, to believe, to feel, this could all turn around in a blink of an eye. And honestly, that can go both ways up or down. So, this is where our destiny meets us exactly where we're at. It is an, it is an intersection. I experience it and visualize it and, and think about it like an X, and I'm standing at the, at the middle of it. There are, there's actually a few ways I can go. And I can't actually lose because in any which way that I go, it's just going to spin around again. It's, you know, I might head towards the bottom, and then <laughs> like, in some roundabout way, I end up right on top. It does ask, how do we work with our resistance? How do we work with our need to control these unpredictable, uncertain variables? And for you who's kind of on the fence with this, I'm assuming anybody who was not interested in this brouhaha has already tuned out. I mean, really, you're probably not listening in the first place. But this is where we could really call in our skepticism. Why don't we think this is going to work out? Why are we afraid of jinxing it? Where does the doubt come in, in our people, in ourselves, in our plans? How are we sabotaging by preparing for the worst or just simply having a backup plan? It all comes from this need to protect ourselves, which is amazing. Keeps us safe, keeps us exactly where we're at. So again, this is how the queen and the moon kind of all intersect in this energy. Like, how can we say, I'm scared shitless. I don't know how this is going to work. I am aware that I need some level of protection. And also, I'm going to choose to believe everything always works out. I'm going to choose to believe there's no such thing as competition. There's no such thing as scarcity because there is enough in everything, in time, in skills, in desire, in commitment and i'm going to push my own boundaries i'm going to push myself to a very uncomfortable edge not painful not threatening not traumatizing but sharp this is where i think we, you know we step back into that masculine and go okay traction let's create some traction let's use a system just for for no other reason than it, it works. Sometimes it works for some people and it's going to give me that ability to step back into that moon energy and go, okay, I don't know all of the answers here. Let's go into deep reflection. Let's look at exactly where I'm at and ask myself, what's working? What's not working? How can we shift? How can we create a little bit of change in our immediate experience? So with attraction, What the author first asks or, you know, first kind of gets into is like, how do I even know that I I need traction in my business? You feel out of control. You're frustrated with yourself, with your people, with the people that you're working with. Oftentimes, even in like a solopreneur or creativepreneur scenario, we're still working with other people, even if it's like the people on our social media. If you kind of think of yourself as like the nucleus of the atom and then like all of the protons and electrons that are vibrating around you as your different people – Like your vendors, the dude that drops off the mail, or, you know, the lady. I have a very hot male person. It's kind of a highlight of my day. (laughs) Like, hey, girl. You know, like we can so often project blame, or I shouldn't say that. That's pretty trite and obvious, but like we're just projecting onto the people around us. And when you're first starting out, or when you're finding yourself as a team of one, or when you're 10 years into it and you look around and you're like, God damn it. Like, (sighs) <sighs> this is this has just become grueling instead of mutually beneficial. Potentially good opportunity for you. Profits, you're not making enough mar- money your profit margins aren't high enough. Uh, you feel like you've hit a wall or a ceiling, you're you're doing everything you can and you're just not getting the results that you want. Or, I mean, shit, you might be listening to this in a state of like, it's just actually not working, and I am ready to throw all of the cards in. Take a take a beat. Could just be that moon energy that that unknown that uncertainty that doesn't actually have to mean anything it doesn't mean you're a failure it doesn't mean it's time to quit you know i talk a little bit about this in the dip episode one thing that is useful when we get into these places of just spiraling out is a model a framework i talk about it with the seven levels of energy very often spiraling out is level 1 using force or fear to motivate is level 2 most of us have been using those two energies to create everything we've Done so far, they're just not very sustainable. So we step into a level three, which is sort of like this—I call it the buffer zone or the launch pad—which then enables us to create a plan. Here's the fucking plan. Just look at it, you know. And then you can get to level four and go, "Ooh, interesting. This is this is challenging me to step up, to create some impact, to create some change." Get to level five, so on and so forth. So the EOS model, which has been updated again in traction, it's just a series of questions to posed to yourself as the leader in your business or i mean really anyone in any business could could use this model and framework to create change but you're looking at the vision the people the information you're using to make decisions the information you are using to execute in your business the challenges the processes, this is going to be the structure and the systems, and then the traction, which is just simply your ability to execute on everything we're going to talk about. So how do you bring focus, accountability, and predictability into this process? The first step is just simply going, okay, we're this like, I'm here because I'm I'm ready for something different. It might be change. It might be hiring and firing. It might be reevaluating your entire vision and values in this business. It might be looking at some of the data, the profitability, the expenses. That's a big one. It might be creating some predictability, some certainty. And what I love about traction as well is when you're first engaging in this process, you're dialing it way, way, way fucking back. I'm going to link to one more resource called the Lean Canvas. It's something – it's actually in the anti-business school. A lot of this material actually is available in the anti-business school. With letting go, it's just simply saying, okay, I am willing to make a change. I'm willing to take some risks. And I talk about this a lot. I'm going to step into that growth-oriented mindset. I am going to be open-minded. I'm going to very much call out, we're doing a job. It might be a good job. I'm ready to do great. Great. I'm ready to shift. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to shake things up. And we'll test it for 90 days, right? So the questions that one could ask when initiating this process are, what are my values? First question. You can see why I'm biased towards this framework, right? I do the same thing. What is your focus? And so again, when we are in business, we can so often overcomplicate things. The next question is, what is your 10-year target? And then you go to three-year, and then you go to one-year. You really start to reverse engineer where you want to be. And and you know me. When I say 10, I just mean like so far off into the distance, we actually have like no idea what's going to happen. But when we get to three years and when we get to one year, it, it feels a lot closer. Like you can see that dot on the horizon. And the point being 10 years when you go, you know, I want to retire. Well, okay. In order to retire, I'm going to need $10 million. Well, that means in three years, I'm going to need $3 million, which means in one year, I'm going to need $1 million, so on and so forth, right? I talk about this a lot. I get into it ad nauseum in the anti-business school. What are your core values? What is your core focus? What is your 10-year target? And then you talk about your marketing strategy, your quarterly rocks, and your issues. Again in the lean canvas this is actually not an EOS tool it's it's a bootstrapping business planning system from the early 2000s when tech companies were just getting rolling no one you know especially after the late 90s when we had the kind of first tech crash they couldn't get lending they couldn't get funding VCs weren't really I mean don't get me wrong VCs have always been a thing but they weren't yet the like obsessed with technology as a solution yet and so bootstrapping became this really popular way of, of bootstrapping your business. And the lean canvas is what I love about it because my people are so creative. They are visual thinkers, they're visionaries. It's a one-pager. It's a one-page placemat where you just map out your business for the next three years. EOS builds on that, traction builds on that. And it's it's simple, real simple. What is your focus? Mine is to connect people to freedom through business, to create freedom with business to unplug you from the matrix yo then there are quarterly rocks which are essentially your milestones the the four things that need to be achieved in order to create the change you desire in your business and then what are the issues these are the challenges we'll get into that because i think that's potentially the most powerful reframe of this entire system what are your issues being the last question one poses, but then essentially you stop talking about what you're doing and you start highlighting where you're failing. I'm actually, I'm working with one of my clients who's a CEO. They are a business manager for hundreds of different organizations. I don't want to get too into it because I haven't gotten permission to to use To use this as a case study because he's very much in process right now, but in terms of trying to create organizational change and to really support all these different business leaders in his business, he's creating a culture that celebrates failure because it is in failure that we find our success, our opportunity. It's in the uncertainty where the magic happens, right? So far, you know, this is a massive corporate organization and it's just been a finger pointing game. It's been around for 30 years and all they do is find problems and then blame people for them and point the finger. And they spend so much time talking about who did what and why, they never actually solved the problem. And so he's just noticed that over 30 years, they're still talking about the same problems. So what we do is celebrate problems and in traction in the entrepreneurial operating system, We highlight these issues, and this then becomes the focus so that we're celebrating where we're challenged. We'll get into that. Now, obviously, there's so much more. And actually, the resource that I'm going to share with you is, is super, super powerful and gives you a pretty enough high level that it, for the at the very least if this is something that fascinates you then get the book but it will certainly get you thinking and depending on where you think your particular challenge might be whether it's people or values and vision or the information you're relying on the processes you're relying on i shared a an interview with tim ferris and mark zuckerberg whatever your opinions are on them they're visionary business leaders, and Zuckerberg was talking about how his entire job now is going back through Meta, aka Facebook's processes, and making sure they're relevant, let alone impactful. Obviously, with a business that has tens of thousands of employees around the globe, process is crucial senior leadership isn't potentially ever even going to have a conversation with the people at the ground level and on the infantry level, the ones who are really interacting with their actual users and buyers. It is process that trains them up. It is process that translates the organizational values and vision into the day-to-day activities. We so overlook this in business. And because it's a fucking pain in the ass and it's not sexy. And I should have prefaced this whole conversation with like, this isn't this sexy mind, f- mind, mind fest. Whoa, that's hilarious. Mindset, manifestation, there's magic, woo, like fairy dust shit. This is, this is the nuts and bolts of your business. And at some point just being incredibly magnetic and in- incredibly, able to translate everything you do into money (laughs) isn't going to be enough. You're going to need to delegate to people. You're going to need to have some kind of system and structure in place to translate your vision, again, into day-to-day activities. Like, Why the hell is your bookkeeper categorizing a particular expense as marketing or as development or as office expenses? That actually plays into all of this. So this system, again, you can look at this resource, you can figure out where your challenges are, and then you can start asking different questions. You can get into that space of curiosity, of reflection, and knowing that the answers lie within And by going into, even if it's just following your heart, what feels like a good place to start? Start there. So with EOS, it's the people. And I am, I'm very biased towards this. I try to only surround myself with people who are much smarter and much better than me. When you have the right people in the right places, your business is going to hum. You can have the right people in the wrong places and you can have the wrong places. You can be investing in and, creating work that is not going to move the needle. It's not going to solve your challenges. It's not going to raise your profit margins. It's just going to create unnecessary work. So there's a super powerful tool. And I actually built out an interpretation of this, this isn't this isn't unique to this analysis, this tool saying, like, who are my people, what are their skill sets, et cetera. But when you layer this with values, when you layer this again with the creative preneur, with the creative business, it does take on a different shape. So I've got um a template for how to figure out who's doing what. How can you rate them on their particular values in terms of the the expectations for that particular role? So as an example, the person that you want helping with IT, and that might be a random person you're calling on the internet with your Squarespace site, or that might be an entire department that might be a fractional IT department that you're employing. That person is going to be very different than the individual or the skill set demanded for your sales. You might be wearing all of these hats my friend, but even when you put on your sales hat, it's a completely different energy. It's a completely different attitude and perspective. You're going to be performing on some level and using different words and, you know, really taking the time. Whereas when you're wearing your IT hat, you might not even be using words. You're just problem-solving, you're getting into efficiencies, you're trying to create the simplest, most immediate solution now. Very different, right? And so With that and traction, what the author talks about, Gina Wickman, is you you really want to look at, are these people in alignment with my business, with my vision, with my values? And so that's why gaining clarity on your vision and values first and foremost is going to help you understand. I had a really interesting example of this in my financial consulting firm. We had a senior level accountant with decades of experience, decades of experience. This dude was solid. We are a young startup. We are providing creative solutions in some of the oldest areas of industry for accounting and and big corporate business, right? We like to be flexible. We like to triage. We like to create software solutions and systems to improve the way that business is being done for our clients. Now, this means change. This means vision. This means challenging the status quo. This particular individual found all of those things to be incredibly threatening, unsettling, and disrespectful. From his perspective and from his experience, you you know you show up, you do it, you're told. And you, I mean, so, some of these spreadsheets, my friend, were like 50 different tabs with formulas and references that when you load up the spreadsheet, it would take 10 minutes. He was fine with that. I load up one of those spreadsheets and I'm like, fuck this noise. We're redoing this. We we had that ability. We had, again, another expert on our team who was a, a developer who could help us with that, but he was not interested and he was incredibly stressed out. He felt like he was continually underperforming and he always felt like he was playing catch up with the clients, in our business, with the team, you know, and the team Felt like they were constantly having to overextend themselves to help this guy out. Now, those issues did not immediately surface. What started were emails from him late at night on the weekend. They were emails from clients saying, Hey, you know, has so and so gotten to this yet? The deadline's Friday. And granted, we're not at the deadline, but it'd be really great to get some of this data so that we can do our jobs and not all be waiting till the last minute. So I started poking around. And This individual would never have said, I'm struggling. I feel they prided themselves on their work ethic. They took a lot of pride in their work ethic. And the team isn't going to complain. It took, again, a lot of poking around and asking, you know, why, why are you on this email thread? This isn't where you're supposed to be. Why, why are you the one interfacing with this client? This isn't your account. And I realized we have, we have a a malalignment here. We have an amazing individual who would be an incredible fit in a different organization with different values and different vision. And I, I realized this right around the holidays, right around the pandemic. And honestly, I fought for this guy. And I said to my business partner, I don't want to let him go, you know, two months out from the holidays in the middle of what is an industry crash for this particular sector. And, you know, let's just keep him around. Let's just keep him around. Let's just keep him around. And I, it was a huge mistake. Because the team, it created doubt in the team and leadership. It created resentment in the team for having, they were having to make up for his, just for, for the way that he worked. He wasn't doing anything wrong. It just wasn't the right fit. And when I finally revisited this actual framework, what I realized is I'm creating an incredible opportunity for this guy because he hates this job. I don't know that he like had the awareness around that, but he was constantly in that level one, two, three. Poor me, or this sucks, or I don't get this. Fuck it. I'm gonna get it done. I'm gonna push through. I'm gonna take a beating from the clients. I'm gonna martyr myself for this. And then I'm gonna be really proud of myself for giving so much. And then I'm gonna be exhausted and repeat. When I let him go and I let him go with like four weeks' severance because it did end up being so close to the holidays. But a client was basically saying it's him or us. I I said it with so I, I had stepped into this place where I knew. This guy, like, you know, I've been there. I've shown up. I've hated the job. I felt like I could never get ahead. It is the worst feeling in the world when you feel like you're a setup for failure day in and day out. This guy had a new job, better pay, that was, you know, a straight e 9-to-5 office gig. So he got 10 to 20 hours more of his time back a week. He could show up. He could do the same thing every day. It was simple. It was rewarding and it was such a win-win-win for everybody. That's the value of finding the right person for your organization, let alone for their particular job. The second question you're going to get into is the right seat. So again, you might have someone who's incredibly detail oriented. They're a complete nerd. They love the spreadsheets and the emails and the data crunching, and they won't pick up the goddamn phone. They're not going to have a conversation with you as leader, with their teammates. You know, they're... they're they're not a front of office person they're not a consumer facing person there might be a really amazing place for them in your organization that will exemplify their values and their skill set rather than continually create friction and resistance around them i ended up hiring two different people in my organization one of whom is listening to this right now one of whom may listen to this and when i went to into this hiring process I knew what I wanted. I wanted someone who could essentially complement all of my weaknesses because there are many, my friend. But detail oriented, my schedule and my calendar, staying on top of like the admin in my business, also staying on top of like the online details. Running an online business and a terrestrial business is crazy. You know, we're we're I know we're like 20 years into this experiment now, so it's, I'm not to say like I'm on the leading edge here, but you know, every time I update a resource, every time I do a launch, all of the links need to get like double checked. All of the emails need to get double checked. I've probably switched platforms, you know, it, it's like an endless it's a job in and of itself. And I want to create community, I want to create Support. I want to become, you know, this pillar, this resource, this like rock, this lighthouse, this guide, this NPC, <laughs> an oracle, if you will. That's a lot, and so I was looking for the unicorn, and I got into the hiring process and had a lot. I had a lot of conversations. I think I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I had like a hundred different people apply, and I said, you know, I'm gonna do my due diligence because I, again, I want a fucking unicorn. I'm gonna have to talk to a lot of people, and I probably got about. 15 to 20 into the interview process. And I stumbled upon... One of these people, and they were the yin to me and yang. Super, super data oriented. They were like so excited about getting into the back end of my website. They were so or in the back end of my business, and they they loved like the opportunity to really cross reference and go through lists and check things off. And I was like, yes, yes. And they started in the interview offering me suggestions about how we could create some better synchronicity between my different platforms and different ways that we could create systems and so on and so forth. But I asked about community. Not that interested, and I, I really appreciated that honesty, and I asked about social media, not that interested this is This is so useful when someone can bring this transparency and this honesty, and I'm going to pat myself on the back. I clearly created an atmosphere of trust. And honesty, because you're not going to get a lot of that in an interview, but I'm also hiring for someone who knows themselves. I'm hiring for someone who's strong, who is going to push back, who is not a yes man. I'm not looking for people to agree with me. I'm actually looking for people to tell me where I'm fucking up and tell me where I can do better. And, you know, I got off the phone and I was like, wow, she is so amazing. And I, you know, I can make up for it. Like The community and the social media, like I should really probably be stepping into that role. Also, full disclosure, I did have a different resource at the time, hi, um, handling a lot of the creative direction and scheduling and stuff in social media. So I was like, oh, we could probably make this work. And then one of the last people that I talked to, not going to lie, reminded me a lot of myself. And we had so much fun on the interview. They had so much experience in terms of the community I'm building in terms of the online business management and really wanted to cut their teeth in podcasting and, you know, level up from being like a virtual assistant to being an online business manager. And I was like, oh my God, I see so much of myself and this person, but also full transparency, like with that, I also see some of my weaknesses and I was talking with my partner about it, and, my, and I actually called up my coach about this as well. And I was like, "Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to choose. Like, like um, I'm so excited and lit up by both of these people, and I'm I'm really tempted to go in one way or the other. But like, I don't know what I don't know. What What do you think I should do?" And. My coach was like hire them both. And my partner's like, why do you have to choose? And I was like, Oh, there we go. That's what happens when they're when we are in the binary, my friend. We think we have it's a win or lose, a right or wrong, a better or worse. Porqueros los dos. <laughs> and I did, and it's been amazing. And I'm so grateful that I got that that insight. And here's the other thing. I was looking for, you know, I had a budget. And what I realized is I could just hire both of these individuals for half of The budget that I, you know, so one gets 50%, the other gets the other 50%. Yeah. So it's been amazing. And absolutely finding the right people and putting them in the right seats. And so by using, there's a framework in EOS, I think he talks about it like unique ability, trademark term, plus accountability equals the right seat. So, you know, you're kind of looking for skills. And and like one of the people, um, again, a very, very high level executive that I worked with used to say, you can't, you can hire let me rephrase. You can train skills. 90% of the job is replicable, trainable skills, aka like monkey work. Not to be disrespectful to monkeys or people. I love them both. But that like 90% of what we do, you can literally show somebody how to do it. You can't train for values. I can't make you think family is more important than work. I can't make you think that integrity and excellence in your output is more important than innovative creative solutions. You are going to have again Ray Dalio would refer to these as your principles. I just think about them in terms of values because I, I do believe they evolve, but I can't I can't teach you what's important. I can show you how to do the job. So hiring for values is a transformational, revolutionary shift. And I had somebody ask me about hiring and firing. That's going to be the next, the next episode. I'm going to talk about building the dream team. For our purposes here today, just understanding like how is leadership showing up in terms of their values and their skills? How are you holding people accountable? And not just like are you doing your job, but are you leading your team? are you facilitating effective decision-making? Are you celebrating the people who bring their problems and challenges to the space so that the team can workshop them? There's an interesting hierarchy that Wickman presents. And so I'll share it here. I'm not suggesting this is the way to do it, or even that hierarchy makes a lot of sense. I'm actually going to be playing with a business model, assuming this huge development project that I keep like hinting at around the edges, goes through with a participatory economic, which is a complete flattened hierarchy, not to say it as a collective, anywho, not to get into it. But so he he suggests like leadership, you know, the top of the hierarchy, the top of the pyramid, if you will, should be visionary, where you're coming up with ideas, you are driving culture. It's a very emotional, inspirational, compelling place to be. You're looking at big macro trends and desires in the business. Second level is the integrator. These are the people who are leading in terms of effectively inspiring any of the resources involved in this organization to buy into and support the the vision right But this is also where the planning and the structure, and like this this exact system would not just be executed but implemented and evaluated. This is a, a slightly more logical place. And then from there, you get really into the job roles, the specifics, the skill sets, um, the deliverables, the information, and so the actual process, not just implementation, but uh, creation and improvement. Again, there's a lot of jargon in this system. In order to like create a proprietary system you can sell, you kind of got to like relabel everything. So he talks about the GWC approach. So people need to get it. They need to want it and they need to have the capacity to do it. So last thing I'm going to say on people, and this isn't a a traction Gino Wickman thing. This is something that an actual Stanford business coach who just so happened to be an auntie, you know, not blood auntie, but auntie uh, in terms of she was very integral in my early childhood. But in my adulthood, when I started coaching, she said to me, or actually, no, a lie. When I got into business, and I, I think I've talked about this experience where I had a business partner who was stealing from the business, uh, what's the word? Sorts of the knee, embezzling, embezzling a significant amount of money from the business. And I was freaking out just that like someone could do this and someone could lie, but like because this they didn't get it. They didn't think what they were doing was wrong. I know, sounds crazy, but like what she explained to me completely reframed everything for me, including not just the way that I work with people, but especially the way that I manage people. She said, no one wakes up in the morning and wants to do a shit job, Nicole. Everybody wakes up and they're doing their best. So if you have someone who's underperforming, especially an employee, you need to ask yourself, do they have the capacity for, to realize my expectations? Just simply, do they have the space? Secondly, do they have the resources? This means the skill set, the maturity, the values. Do they have the time? So the different than capacity in the sense like capacity is looking at their overall workload and how much you're expecting them to do. Time is like, did this project, did this assignment literally have enough hours, enough days in the week to get it done? The last one is skill set. So like, do they literally know what I need them to do? And I find this is actually the real clencher, especially in small business and creative preneurs and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. When we start to build our team and delegation, there's this expectation that everybody should just get it and know how to do it. If If you come from, if you give yourself the bias of, I'm literally talking to like a two year old, and again, not disrespectful or like talking to the monkey, but that's like the level of process and detail you need in order to effectively delegate and if someone isn't doing it right i always i always come from the place of i just haven't taught them enough i haven't created a powerful enough reference and resource to allow them to understand how to do this job because like there's nothing in my business that's that complicated there are plenty of businesses where that is absolutely not the case but then again did you hire somebody with the skill set in order to simply perform at a baseline level for this job so capacity resources time and skills that's one out of four of those is probably going to be what's letting you down. It's not that this person you hired is just a dick, okay? So then Gino gets into the numbers. And you know how I feel about numbers. I think that they're a space-time coordinate. They simply give us a reference point. It's like a target in the middle of a dartboard. You're just trying to figure out, well, what happened? Did we hit it? Did we overshoot? Did we completely miss the mark? Why? Why? That's the power in numbers. It's not about success or failure. It's simply about understanding. Were we able to do what we said we were going to do? Why not? Or did we do it so much faster and easier? How come? <laughs> From this perspective, numbers cut through subjectivity. They create accountability. They create clarity. They create commitment. Some people like actually really thrive on goals and targets. They, they need to know how well they're doing. It's actually very encouraging. And I've you know, in goal setting theory, our mind, our desire to take on bigger and badder challenges actually comes from our understanding that we can do this. And by achieving smaller steps, we go, we build our confidence, which then allows us to be more resilient and take on bigger challenges. So that's how numbers can create commitment, especially when they're presented as such. This isn't about a failure or a success. This is about showing you, you can do it, and you can do bigger things. They can also create competition. Again, some people love a little bit of competition. I am not one of those people, but I get that there there can be, in, in a healthy, productive space, a little bit of competition can be really fun. Numbers produce results. I mean, quite literally, like measurable, specific actionable results. Like I called 10 people today. I knocked on 10 doors today. I sent out 50 DMs today. Like You can measure that, right? They create teamwork and they help you solve problems. I don't disagree with any of those. I think they can be taken at face value and then argued with endlessly. So I'm just going to leave it there. In EOS and in, in a, a very powerful business of analysis tool is called a scorecard, where you literally create a one to 10, and then you pick your results, you pick your rocks, you pick your measurables. These might be your milestones in business. These might be your financial targets or sales targets. I mean, whatever it is. But in creating a scorecard, this is what you can then take into every one of your quarterly meetings or board meetings or monthly meetings or annual check-ins or what have you, and just simply create a score to then reference. Where are we at? You know, is this are, like, are we cool with seven and above? If we're in like a three to five, we're in a danger zone. If we're below a three, what the fuck are we actually doing? This then enables you to ask, how can we solve our challenges? And an EOS he's very careful to refer to these as issues. And by defining the highest priority, again, like maybe we're at a one to three, or we've got a, a, a someone who is driving us fucking batshit crazy, or you know, we are not able to pay our rent or our bills. You know, the highest priority issues then you need to discuss those issues very openly with a goal of resolving, but not just resolving the challenge or resolving the issue, but actually creating a plan of action around it, and then figuring out who's doing what. How can we assign someone to be responsible for this? So the issues list, and he calls it issues to neutralize the energy around it, right? Every business, every leader, every resource, every department, every project is going to have issues. This is why when we shift our culture from one of pointing fingers and blame into celebrating problems, we're going to be learning from the bottom up. This is a super classic basic B example, but you know, like when you're telling your boss what's going on, you're kind of presenting them with like a vanilla view of the situation. And then your boss is going to present to their boss in the same way. Or when you're talking to your partner or your lenders, like you're gonna polish the turd. <laughs> now, internally, when you know you feel like you're in a safe space, you, you're gonna have a lot of clarity around those numbers. It's like what I was talking about at the beginning. I can create a spreadsheet where I'm a bajillionaire. I can also create a spreadsheet where I'm bankrupt. I'm like somewhere in the middle is gonna be a very reasonable place to to lead from and create action from. But having awareness around both and then looking at the actual issues, what might lead me to end up on the bankrupt end of the spectrum, So, and then bringing those issues to light regularly, bringing them to light with anybody that might be affected by them or even responsible for them. So he talks about creating an issue-solving track where you identify, discuss, and solve. Now, importantly, and I think this is another defining factor of traction, in this EOS system, that's what your meetings become by, or I'm sorry, that's what your meetings become. So your meetings are, I mean, how many of you, I'm raising both of my hand in all 10 toes right now, have been to meetings and they're just a fucking catch up. I did this. I got this done. These clients are done. Uh, I'm doing really great. Or like, we got the website up. The marketing's great. The newsletter got sent out. We got 5,000 replies. I don't need, I don't need a history lesson. If you are continually talking about what's happened, you will never get ahead of any of your challenges, or lead from the cutting edge of your industry and business. You'll be continually evaluating and stuck in the past, and most likely repeating past patterns. With creating a culture that celebrates failure, that recognizes it is in our challenges and our issues that one, we're going to really galvanize and come together. But two, we're probably going to find what makes us so unique. We're going to find what differentiates us from everybody else, where you're going to find our unique way because your challenges are going to be unique. Therefore, your solutions are going to be your magic. So he suggests the 10 commandments of solving issues. And I think these are really powerful. One, do not rule by consensus. This is not a majority rule scenario. This is about creating a win-win-win or nobody plays. It's that level five energy. And there might be someone who is the decision maker. And whether that's the team leader, whether that's you as the organizational founder, the the, the team of one, someone's going to make a decision. And It's that vision and it's choosing faith in that vision and that leadership. That's like that queen of cups vibe, right? That's also the wheel of fortune. Like it's saying like, I've gathered all of the data. I am the vision holder. I am the leader and I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to create one step forward. Full awareness, this might be the wrong step. It might be the right step. It could really go either way. There's only one way we're going to find out. Have a strong will and resolve be decisive. Do not rely on secondhand information. So go straight to the source. Again, if if, you're, if you are experiencing a systemic problem in a department or in an area of your business, talking to the person who's responsible for that might not be the best way to gather the data you need. This is where you're looking at the information that you're getting. If the person responsible is the person you're getting the data from, the data might be flawed. Go to the actual source, go to your customers and clients, go to your bookkeeper, go to your accountant, go to whomever is saying like red alarm, you know, red alert and, and ask different questions. Use some of the creative confidence analysis to ideate and synthesize in terms of what are we, what are we really talking about here? Fight for the greater good. Again, this is where we get into that. You create a win, win, win. And sometimes as like referring back to the example, but from earlier, I had to fire somebody in order to create the greatest good for all, including the person who got fired. Solve issues in the order of priority. So again, this is triaging and this is going, what is the most acute issue here? And I'm going to focus on that until this issue is solved. And then we can get to the next list. I know in business, everything feels like a priority. I know it can feel like you're constantly putting out fires. And that is exactly when systems like this are going to be integral into shifting the way that you're even approaching what you're doing. It's saying everything feels like a number one. Everything feels like a fire. I am so behind in everything. And I'm willing to just let it, I'm willing to surrender and say, something's not working. Let's, let's take a huge step back, let's evaluate, let's get curious, and let's surrender to whatever might be. Resolving in three ways. Uh, Again, very simple way of putting this. They've claimed ownership of it, but I'm sure when I reflect this back to you, it's going to resonate. With with an issue, with a challenge, you can accept it, you can change it, or you can solve it. Living with it, accepting it in, in this place is the last possible option, but I think in reframing it, this is when we're triaging. We're going to have acute issues that are probably spiraling out into a lot of the issues that you're experiencing in your business. You focus on that, you accept everything else until you've got that particular issue solved. So this is where like living with the problem should be the last possible option, unless you just simply don't have the capacity or resources to solve all of them at the same time. So I, I like that the idea, though, that you can live with it, you can change it, or you can fix it. Choose short-term pain for long-term gain. And this is a big one in business as well. This is what my client's experiencing and trying to shift the organization from shaming, blaming, naming to uh, an organization that celebrates failure. Right now, their profits, the, the entire business's profits are taking a hit. And that means that each of these individual businesses are taking a massive hit. And probably 10% of their portfolio is going to fall off because they're not going to be able to succeed. Instead of rescuing these underperforming businesses that aren't willing to make a change, he is allowing them to fail. He's also allowing another significant portion of his business to fail, but knowing that it's in that failure, they are going to understand things have to change. And in the interim, he is on a fuck ton of heat, under a fuck ton of heat from the VC that's funding this and from the president, vice president of the board, because he's not, he's not meeting his metrics taking on the most fearful issue. So again, this is terrifying for him, but he's he's already got the solution. So I'm just going to go through these because I think these are probably pretty powerful. And again, depending on where you're at, this might be your biggest takeaway from this episode. But the 10 commandments of solving issues, do not rule cut by consensus, have strong will and resolve, be decisive, do not rely on secondhand information, fight for the greater good, solve issues in order of priority, resolve in one of three ways, accept it, change it, solve it, choose short-term pain for long-term gain, take on the most fearful issue, and don't wait to propose a solution. Introduce a solution, orient the rest of the team, and get it going. So we're nearly there. Um, from here, we kind of really get into the knit and, and so I'm going to let the resource kind of support you in the rest of this. But once we identified the issues, now it's time to process. There's a very, very simple way of processing. It's actually, uh, I put my own take on this. And sometimes you're going to refer to this as SOPs. Um, in online businesses, this is crucial, but really in any business, especially when you're a team of one, start to get your processes out. They provide you with free training. But also really great reference points. And when you're ready to scale, like you will not scale your business if you don't have process in place. You just won't. Your business won't be ready for it. And if and if you do, you're gonna fail. Sorry, not sorry. So super simple. Identify your core processes, document them, and then package them. And that means, you know, are they in a PDF? Are they in YouTube videos? Are they in Loom? Are they laminated and printed out in a book on your desk? It doesn't matter, but have those three things in place, a way to identify process, document process, and then distribute process. He's got some opinions on how to create process. I I think, you know, worth, worth, absolutely worth looking into, but essentially there's this sort of tug and pull around. If you are the person who creates the process, you should not be the person who actually documents the process. Like if it's your idea, you know, in terms of making my podcast, I can explain to Shannon. Who's listening right now? You know, this is how I create my process. She then creates the process, like by actually documenting it and stepping it out. I can then review it, and so I can go, "Oh yeah, 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 that works," or "No, I don't think that works," or "Ooh, here's an interesting place to improve." And then we can send it on to our additional resource, Anna, who's the super detail-oriented, really, you know, into the data and the metrics of everything. And she can go, "Yep, yeah, this makes perfect sense. I could do this with my eyes closed." Well, probably not, because she needs to read it. But you know what I'm saying. So from there, you know, you're just really dialing in on your rocks. And, and that, again, is this proprietary terminology and jargon for uh, your 90-day milestones. How do we know we're going to be effective? He even uses SMART goals. That is not proprietary. That is everywhere. He talks about meeting pulse. So, I mean, your meetings should be short. They should be succinct. They should be talking about your milestones, your rocks. And then they should be identifying issues. So why, where are we at and what per challenges do we perceive in being successful to hitting our targets? That then enables the team, the meeting, the time to be oriented towards creative and co-creative, most importantly, problem solving. And that's it. Then you, then you just simply get started. And so again, there's a ton of different resources here. This, this, what I've linked to says you can get the PDF. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm going to be honest. I read this book a long time ago. I think I read it in 2013. I think it came out in 2012. And it was one of those, like, everybody read this book. It absolutely changed the way that I think about building my team, managing my team, managing myself, really how I'm using my time. But most importantly, how am I leveraging my values? And If you've made it this far, congratulations. This was massive. I can feel how big this one was. I cannot recommend this highly enough. I do layer this with so much of the way I think about business, the templates and systems I've created in the anti-business school. Doors are opening in a couple of weeks. If you're listening to this at a different space-time coordinate, I've probably augmented and amplified the anti-business school hugely. The communities. Fucking rockin'. I can't wait to get you in there. If you've ever got any questions, please email hello at NicoleBZ.com. You can find me on socials. I'm spending most of my time these days on Instagram. I'm going to be getting to YouTube, Pinterest. I was on LinkedIn. I mean, I have like, you know, the basic presence, but definitely email or Instagram are going to be the best ways to get me. I lie. My website. My website has everything you need to know. It's all linked in there. NicoleBZ.com. Thank you so much for listening. If this has been of value to you, please, please leave me a review. Social proof is absolutely crucial. I think a lot of people listening think, will somebody else will leave the review? That's not actually the case. The amount of downloads that I have is, I would say, it's less than 1% of the number of reviews to downloads that I have, if that tells you anything. So, you know, even if it's just giving me some stars, that would be really appreciated. But the finest, most appreciated form of flattery is sharing this. This could be incredibly transformative to someone who's thinking about business, to someone who's struggling in business, whether it's a friend or a family member or or you know, a fellow entrepreneur, or maybe it's it's another influencer and thought leader. I would love to work with that person. I would love to work with you. So just from a place of of conspiring, you know, I'm not saying like pay me money. I felt like that got a little salesy, but I was just like, literally, I'm looking at my cards of the moon and the queen of cups and the wheel of fortune, and just really thinking about like, this could be the episode that gets shared with somebody that changes everything for me, for you, for them, who knows? So let's co-create that opportunity together. Thank you so much. Where are we at? I think we're just at an hour, which I'm actually really proud of myself for, because I think I... I don't think I took an inhalation. <laughs> I'm sorry, not sorry. For someone who felt like they were totally in over their heads, who was like imposter syndrome to the nines, who I think when I first read this book was when I was, I was managing an international nonprofit, my record label. I had gotten out of the recording studio just in terms of capacity, but because I was starting to tour international artists and I had my own office, I had I was starting to hire my own employees. And then management, just the level of artists that I had been managing was was increasing exponentially. This is kind of the way in business, like you hit this tipping point where all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, this is, this is working. And this framework simplified things so much for me. It Triaged my priorities. I knew what I was thinking about, what I was working on, who I wanted to work with, and why. And it it was, again, when when you know you can't sleep at night, or when you're completely spinning out, and you feel like you are in the dark night of the soul, you're hiding in the cave of the hero's journey. Allowing yourself to just go, okay, I actually have all of the answers. Not just in me, not just in my heart, but like in my business and the way that things are getting done. What are the biggest challenges? Let's start there. Where are my biggest frustrations? We can also think about that, you know, and it, and it just gives you this the visual. in this resource is like a pie chart with eight different slices, and you can just simply look at one and go, "Yep i I have no structure or process. I have nothing to lean on if things if I'm having a bad day. If I'm touring and I'm not getting in front of my computer for 36 hours, like how does my business keep moving forward? Or like I can t- I'm continuing to have the same fucking fight with this person over and over and over again like that felt like the most acute issue for a minute. And then it was definitely like, is my business supporting me when I'm just simply not able to be in front of a computer? What are my visions and values as I'm evolving? Why the fuck am I working this hard? Like, who am I doing this for? What am I creating? So thank you so much. I love you.